Hey there, welcome to the football show. I'm Chris Pugh. As always, I got uh, Kent Repository sports reporter, Pierre Holland. Pierre, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I've been busy, busy, and it's high school football playoffs start this week, so it's going to be hectic, but I'm doing good. I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah I haven't got to look at this yet. It's funny, here in Ohio, um, and it wasn't this way until a couple years ago, it seems like there's a lot more teams making the playoffs. Is uh, it more of a question of who has it in, in Stark County? Well, who has? Well, from what I was told, that this has been a lot from Stark County, and remember, this is my first playoff. My first playoff cover, so I wouldn't even know. Do I, do I look back and what last year's or what like? But yeah, there's a lot of Stark County guys from Massland, Canton, South Canton. Um, McKinley, West Branch, yeah, there's there's a ton of them. Lake, um, a lot of guys. Even there's teams from under 500 are making it, so it is crazy. Yeah, the fields doubled. Like back when I started my career, I covered high school football up here in Stark County, and honestly, Pierre, it used to be that in all of Stark County, you might get four or five teams overall mm-hmm. in the playoffs, uh, just because it was such a smaller field back then. But now, like you said, if you play good teams, you know you're, you know you're pretty much in. Even if you uh, have a losing record, it's wild. Um, I remember, yeah, it was crazy because like the team I covered uh, earlier in my career was Louisville. Louisville lose a game or two, and they were out. I mean, Pierre, they were eight and two, and they could, they wouldn't make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. now you could be like you said, three and seven, four and six, you can make the playoffs. So. Totally different time. So, are you coming to Massa game uh, this weekend? Yes, it's funny. You, you won't believe who they're going to be playing against. Oh, who's that? They're playing Perry. Oh, oh, yeah, bro. I heard stories. I heard stories, Chris. Something I probably won't even say on record, but yeah, I, I I've heard I heard some stories about, between those two. Oh yeah, definitely a lot of history between those two schools. Um, I, I'm looking this up on YouTube because I think it's probably out of print. There was a documentary actually hit the theaters called Go Tigers uh, about the – a lot of it had to do with a former Maslin Perry game. And have you heard of Go T- Tigers, uh, Peter? No, I've heard it. Yeah, I'm trying to see if it's on um, – Uh, there's clips from it, not the whole thing. I'll here. I'll, I'll send you a a link to some of the clips, and that way you can take a look at whatever you you want. Uh, there's some clips from the movie. Um, yeah, it's in private chat if you want to take a look later. Um, yeah, very interesting movie. Uh, they did a documentary. Man, a long time ago, probably in the '90s, about the Masson season. Um, kind of like this year, uh, Pierre. They some allegations of recruiting and uh, they talked to some players and um, I don't know if they still do this or not. They would hold um, high school players back. Uh, so they get a little bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, they would like flunk a school year, not because they have bad grades, but just the thought is if you're, you're older, you're going to be a little bigger. And that was kind of controversial. So yeah, crazy year, interesting documentary. If you ever uh, see the full thing, yeah, check it out. It's pretty good. So okay. okay, well, very good. And oh, since we're talking about this, your first Mass in the Kinley game, what'd you think? It was exactly what I expected it to be. You know, it was lots of excitement. It was, packed, it was packed, pretty hostile. Um, not really a great ending, at least on McKinley's side, but it was it was it was an all around good experience, that's for sure. Yeah, lots of, lots of good stuff there. So, yeah, and hey, we're the Ohioan. Uh, check out high school football uh, if your team's in. If your team's not, pick a team area you want to go see. A lot of uh, big action uh, coming up this weekend. Um, you know, follow local journalism. If you're in the Canton area, definitely check out uh, the Canton Repository or your local paper, whatever area you're in. Uh, but let's talk some uh, other football. Uh, college football here is kind of interesting Probably one of the weirder games I've seen recently. Ohio State went up against Iowa. 
Uh, Ohio State comes in a lot better team than Iowa is. Uh, Iowa has a really good defense and a really poor offense. And I think uh, from what we were talking before, the big question was how is Ohio State going to do offensively against Iowa? And it was really weird, Peter, man. The first half, Ohio State was held down pretty well by Iowa. But based on Iowa's inept offense, they still scored 26 points. So it, it kind of felt weird because Ohio State was up pretty convincingly at halftime. But there were some questions about the offense. But the guy answered in the second half. Ohio State wins going away 54-10. to 10. But a very weird 54-10 to 10 win. Uh, what did you think about how Ohio State did? Um, wasn't really now all that weird. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Iowa was gonna come to play, but clearly Ohio State was gonna do what they gotta do, and they're going to figure it out eventually. It's not like Iowa had anything to make it complex. It's just they just gotta be more physical, and that's exactly what it was. So I think well, what well, if I could explain quick the weirdness of it, um, Iowa gave the ball to Ohio State a couple times, like within the 30-yard line. And, you know, if Ohio State's offense, you think, man, they're going to score a bunch of touchdowns. Iowa held in a couple field goals in the first half, and Iowa got a strip sack to turn into a touchdown. So maybe not the weirdest thing in the world, but Iowa did a pretty good job of holding Ohio State down in the first half. Nah, that's probably just – them trying to adjust a little bit, nothing to make. Like I said, Iowa, Iowa will probably give them like a little scare, but there's nothing like they can't figure them out. So I don't think there's anything weird about it. Well, Iowa had such a poor, um, they just had such a poor offense that even if they held Ohio State down for a long time. You know, they weren't going to win the game by any means. But um, I think the Ohio State's credit. You know, they figured it out in the second half, one going away. Uh, they did it without all their weapons. Um, uh, you know, Jackson Smith and, and, and Jimla uh, got hurt. Uh, again, uh, some questions about um, if he's going to be out for a little bit. But Ohio State just kept rolling on, and they played well. Well, of course, because um, for one thing, um, CJ Stroud definitely had a great game. Um, he was, what, 20 for 30 for 26 yards. He threw four touchdowns. So definitely had a great performance. And obviously, Ohio State, even without Jackson Jigba, they we continues to praise of all the weapons around them from Marvin Harrison Jr. with um, Ibuka, Amika Buka, and, um, and um, Julian Fleming, who had a big game. He had two catches for 105 yards, two catches. So you were just bombing on those guys. So, so that's something that you would expect with Ohio State. That even without Jake, but they're gonna continue to just find the open hand. So I was just, uh, just great for Ohio State and great for CJ Stroud. Definitely had a great performance. Well, and I'm thinking too. And I heard this on Columbus radio station today. They were like, look, Ohio State's so deep at receiver that, yeah, you want Jackson back if you can. But they're like, why not just rest them until the Michigan game? You, you know what I mean? Or or if you think he needs, um, you know, a game to get, you know, rehabbed or, you know, ready to go after his injury, maybe bring him back in Maryland right before the Michigan game. But, you know, the thought is, I mean, and it's not that you don't need him. You just had so many other good receivers. Let him rest and let him get completely healthy. Well, that's one way of looking at it. But at the same time, that was obviously that was the intention of saying him out these past couple of games. Right. Um, so you, we, we don't know exactly what the status of Jigba, and you know, Jigba is also a competitor. He wants he'll find a way to wanting to get on the field and be with the be with his players as well. And you don't want to hold him too long. Um, to a point where he's going, it might be a little bit of rust of him. But yeah, but I'm I'm also with you as well that you don't really need him. But uh, but obviously you want him at his best as well. So you're more suited of him just sitting out than just um, forcing him to play when he's clearly not ready. But I think you want him to at least have him ready by um, this coming week. It would have been better if he sat out last week against Iowa. 
because you do have to play Penn State and you're playing at Penn State the following week. So I think it would have been better if they rest them last week and hopefully have them ready for this coming week against Penn State. Yeah, going to be interesting. Um, uh, you know, Penn State lost uh, two weeks ago to Michigan. Uh, they came back with a pretty convincing win over Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I think we've we've said this pretty much every week about Ohio State, but I think we can say it again. On paper, I think Ohio State's a two touchdown favorite. Um, you know, they just got to bring it because again, you're going to Penn State, which is a tough place to play. But if everything works out, they should win by two touchdowns. They just got to play on the field. Yeah, I, I definitely expect it. I think that's kind of an accurate um, prediction on two touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, so something about playing at, at Penn State, especially at night, um, which is really not the case for next week. They're, I believe what they're playing in midday. Um, if I'm yes, I, b- I believe it's the big noon game. Yeah, it's a, it's a new game because it's there because Fox is Fox is broadcasting it. So yep. yeah, so it, it, it's 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 where how they do this media coverage now. How the Fox doing their game days and their preps, but anyways, well, I, I'll tell you, Peter, I'm getting older. The new <laughs> games are good for me. Let's don't do night games uh, anymore. Come on, come on. No, it's this is one of those games that should have prime time coverage. I don't know. I wasn't really feeling it. But old uh, guys like me it. fall asleep halfway through the game, and we uh, I, I did that. That's a you that, problem uh, to me. That's a you problem to me. I'm I'm 30, and I feel like I'm old, but I would prefer to watch it in a primetime game, especially at Penn State. They're always good at night when it's a wild whiteout. Uh, I, w- I was watching the Sewers Dolphins game. We'll talk about that later on this hour. <laughs> Um, I, I fell asleep. I woke up and my TV was whatever's on NBC at 2 a.m. And I'm like, who won? Who won? So I'm scrambling for my phone, looking and going, oh, crap, it lost. So and that's usually what happens on all primetime games. No matter if it's a big game or small game, that's what happens. But again, that's it's a me problem. I totally get that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Penn State should be interesting. Um, Sean Clifford, their quarterback, I think he's been Penn State's quarterback for at least eight years. Um, I, I keep seeing him come back for Penn State. Yeah, he's been there forever, that's for sure. Um, that COVID he's, year doesn't really help as well. Um, but, yeah, he's been there for like a while. So, at least that's probably the only thing positive with Penn State that they have like that veteran presence. But I don't know if he – that's because he's the older doesn't mean he's not really the best option, you could say, because he has been a bit inconsistent and he really wanted to go against it, go against um, a top tier Michigan team. He kind of, they kind of exposed that. So at least with Ohio State, they'll probably want to take advantage of the flaws of what Clipper provides. Yeah, at best, he's solid. At best. And, that's, you know, that's it. He's solid. He's okay. Right. But that's as far as it goes. He's not a CJ Stroud, not not right. by a long shot. So, right. I I was thinking about this. I I have a um, Steelers podcast. Um, one of the guys uh, I podcast with is very anti Ohio State quarterback, saying, "Hey, these Ohio State quarterbacks haven't done well in the pros." What do you think CJ Stroud is as an NFL quarterback? I think he's going to get drafted really high. Uh, you think he can make it well in the NFL? It's kind of hard to tell right now. Um, you would think so. I'm, now I'm just now I'm making want to think of all the quarterbacks in the past. Um, like, yeah, they don't really have a good history. I definitely wouldn't disagree with that. Um, but it's really hard to tell because every year is different. It's a different year. It's a different league. I mean, a different style of play. It's so. I don't really have a straight answer for that. You just got to help him wait and see. I don't wish any downfall of any player or any ill will of towards which just because of their history. But, you know, Ohio State, at least with C.J. Stroud, respect that he has the tangibles to be a pretty, a pretty good quarterback at the next level. He has the size, he has the arm, and build around him. I mean, 
Justin Fields is your rookie, and he's not doing too well, at least from that matter. But he's young, and is and he's still young and still developing. So it's just really hard to really, really um, evaluate as far as what they can bring and if he really fits the team that the team that they drafted him. Stunning thing about Ohio State. I did a story about this with a dispatch a while back. The number one, like we ranked, and this was not our personal rankings. This was based on passing yards. We said, here are the Ohio State quarterbacks have had the most passing yards in the NFL. Any guess on who number one would be? And I'll tell you if you don't know. The number one quarterback? Uh... Yeah. Ohio State, uh, that played for Ohio State, in terms of how many passing yards they had in the NFL. Uh, Joe Burrow doesn't count in this list just based on the fact that Joe Burrow ended up his career in LSU. So not counting Joe Burrow, uh, you probably mm. won't guess. It's kind of surprising. Don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I, I, I like this game. Okay. Um, would it be Dwayne Haskins? No, no. I think – he may have ended up like a four or five. Um, you know, part of it is obviously his NFL career didn't go like many thought it would. And, you know, obviously he tragically mm-hmm. lost his life. Okay. I, I, I'll let you have one more guess. And I'll, I'll tell you the top list. I'd be uh, surprised if you know, because it's it's something that I wouldn't have guessed if I didn't do the story. Hmm. What about... um? What about Pryor? No, I boy, I'm not even sure if he made yeah. the top eight or ten. Uh number one. No, no, he was probably five or six. Um, yeah, he didn't play too long in the NFL. I think he had a year or two in San Francisco before he left the league. Um Mike Tomzak, longtime backup quarterback. He started a little bit in the NFL, but he was mostly a backup. He had the most passing yards in the NFL from Ohio State player. He uh, was a career backup. Um, yeah. At the time I wrote it, Justin Fields was three. I'm guessing he probably went to number two. Number three, Tom Tupa, who was a quarterback at Ohio State. Peter, he mostly played punter in the NFL. He was with the Jets and a couple other teams. So your top passing quarterbacks from Ohio State was number one, pretty much a career backup. Number two, a guy that mostly punted in the NFL. Isn't that crazy? See, I, I would not know that because I don't know any of those quarterbacks. Those are probably before my time. The only yeah. thing I can remember is the guys from the 2000s, like Troy Smith, like Justin Fields, like Terrell Pryor, like those guys. I would remember those not yeah, Tupa played quarterback and punter for Ohio State in the 80s. Wasn't mm-hmm. a, a super great quarterback. He was probably a little bit better known for his punting, and that's where he, he found his way into the NFL. But, man, there was a time period where there was more quarterback slash punters. I don't know if you remember uh, Danny White. He was a, a quarterback punter for uh, Dallas. Uh, he, he played kind of right after Roger Stahlbeck. And he, he was okay quarterback at best. I thought he wasn't a great one by any means. So, yeah. Before my time, Chris. Before my time. Yeah, I, I will tell you, I like Stroud. I, I, I like quarterbacks who can run. I think that's an important part of your arsenal. But I like the, the guy who can focus a little bit more on his arm. And I think Stroud does that a little better than Bryce Young does. Um, it, it's interesting because last year you saw Stroud throw a lot more. Uh, down the field. Uh, it seems like this year uh, they took it away from him. Oh. Um, yeah, this year they take away his deep pass. He's kind of responded by throwing a little bit more um, of the shorter routes. He's done well there. So, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I, I think he's definitely um, uh, going up um, pretty high in the draft. I'm definitely a, I'm definitely high on Bryce Young for sure because I think probably the biggest difference between these two is that Bryce Young really has that killer instinct. I don't know if a CJ Stroud has that um, compared to Bryce Young because we've seen Bryce Young just 
come in clutch when they need him to. So I I haven't really seen, not saying CJ Stroud doesn't have that gene in him, but more of I haven't seen enough of that from him compared to Bryce Young where he's the size, you despite the size, he might not be the biggest, but when he's a quarterback, he's going to get it done and he will have he has that killer instinct to make plays when he needs it. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens. I um uh yeah, it's kind of oh boy. Yeah, uh, crazy times. Um uh, sorry, I I got distracted there a little bit of a second for a second. Yeah, NFL has changed where the quick quarterbacks who can move around uh with the arm, you know, they can do a little bit better. Um I, I don't know, Pierre. I'm in thinking about my Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, there's been some talk saying, man, if they really tank this year, what happens? They stick with picket or they go with one of the quarterbacks and I don't know, They're man. Sticking with Pickett. They're sticking with Pickett. Yeah, I, I think you got something there with Pickett. I think he's, I think you got something here with him. Yeah. So, well, I think the other problem is they've got a lot of overholes in their team. Like if they had no overholes in their team, they just need a quarterback. Maybe you do that. But there's <laughs> plenty of other places where Stewart's need some help at, um, than just quarterbacks. So very good. And we'll get there in a second. But uh, first of all, boy, another tough day for the Browns. Um, I, you know, Pierre, it's funny. Um, Browns are now two and five. Uh, they lost to Baltimore twenty-three to twenty. Um, yeah, I. If you're a Browns fan, I, I, I get it. You're mad. You, you thought that she was going to go a lot better. Uh, you're in a position where, I mean, the playoffs look like a pipe dream right now. But you know, I, I tell you, Pierre, they've had some like losses that were hard to understand. I'll be honest with you. What else did you expect? I mean, yeah, the Browns won't beat the Ravens, but they went to Baltimore. Ravens won by three. Yeah, the Browns, you know, didn't take advantage of some opportunities they had, but they lost by three to Baltimore. I don't think it was a shocking performance. I mean, if you bet money on the game, you probably would pick Baltimore to win by maybe three or five or whatever. So it's not like I think Ball- the Browns fell completely on their face. Do you think they play okay? I don't think they played that bad on Sunday. Well, you also got to take into account that the Baltimore Ravens are not that good either. Yeah. I take that account too. I mean, they're four and three, but it's not really a good four and three, especially that on the defensive side, they have their little issues on 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 their end. And it's not like Lamar Jackson wasn't all that great either. He was only what? Nine for sixty for one hundred twenty yards. I mean, that's we want more from that. More, so it's just. I think I only saw a little bit of it, but that game kind of looked kind of lopsided. You can say more than it was. Uh, Browns was hanging in there. I think the reason why the Browns were hanging in there because Jacoby Brissett was pretty efficient. He was twenty two right. for twenty seven for two hundred fifty eight yards. He was not able to get the touchdowns. Uh, on through the air, but he got you in the game, and that's what you needed from Jacoby. Um, it's the inconsistent, it's the consistency of it. Um, yeah, you make mistakes, you know. Some also, and plus, people are still calling for Stefanski's head with the play calling. You know, there's just plays where you just feel doesn't really make sense to you, makes make sense to you, or make sense to any of us. When you think about it, especially if it's on third down plays or fourth down plays or the utilization with um, Nick Chubb instead of just forcing the ball, throwing the ball downfield when you could just run it. This is just so many things that just kind of feel why you see what Cleveland are, what they are right now is because of those little things. And it's just really hard to figure that out or where does where do they go from here? Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. Well, I think you just you gotta keep the course. Um, when is the trade deadline for the NFL up here? November first. So it's around the corner. 
Well, well, let's do this. We record this on Wednesdays. Um, I, I think there's a potential as we sit here on October 26th that the Browns could make some moves. Uh, but let's – I mean, this is – next time we talk will be after the trade deadline. So next week let's talk about, you know, what moves they made or maybe what moves they didn't and, and try to figure out what the – you know, what the best course of action is. So, all right. Um, sounds good. Um, what about the Bengals? Um, it was interesting. We kind of looked at this as the Falcons are kind of a little pesky team. Uh, but you know, the Bengals held their own. Um, Joe Burrow had a really good uh, passing game and, uh, Bengals won going away against the Falcons. And, Hey, they needed that win. They're still tied with the Ravens for first place. I agree with you. The Ravens have some issues. You can make arguments saying the Bengals are the class of the division right now. I was about to say, Chris, you kind of underselling it that they held their own. They kicked, they kicked Falcons' ass, plain and simple. Well, it was interesting, though. Um, I, I, As a Sewers fan, I had this wild fantasy that the Sewers could have won, and if the Ravens and um, – you know, Bengals lost. Maybe they'd be tied for first place. Obviously, none of that happened. Um, it was wild because in the first half, the Bengals scored three touchdowns in like a quarter. And you're thinking, man, they're going to win by 80. The Falcons kind of came back for a little bit. Uh, I think they uh, put down the 11 at the half. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Bengals kind of took over and they did well. So, Yeah. Uh, well, Bengals clearly looked like they were the better team. Um, Joe Burrow just – I don't know to say that he hasn't gotten his groove, but Joe Burrow was um, stellar, you know, 481 yards, three touchdowns. What? I think he had like 300 yards in the first half, I, if I'm if I'm correct, something like that. Like, so that was, that was just pretty stellar for uh, Joe Burrow. He had a – Major performance, you know, finishing up with almost hitting 500-yard mark with three touchdowns, and that's what something that you want. Um, my concern for Cincinnati right now is how do we get Joe Mixon going? You know, the running game yeah. has been in and out, but we have not really seen the burst of Joe Mixon. You know, it could mean maybe they're not getting enough push from the offensive line like you will hope. Um, I don't know if it's ex- if you haven't. I, I just haven't really seen enough of that. Or maybe he's not getting that enough carries or they're maybe just maybe they're just riding with Joe Burrow, just making more of pass offense. But if you I like a balance. I like a balance offense, you know, when everything yeah. is going, when you're passing, your running game is going. I think if they just get Joe Mixon going, there's no stopping this Bengals team. So it, it looks to me that right now they look like if they can get that going, it just looks like the Bengals are the team who's like going to get out of the AFC North. I've heard that refrain about Mixon, you know, throughout the year. He's 26. I mean, he's not super old. Do you think he can get better? I, I, um. Our, the Bengals beat report for this, this I inquire. She's been talking about some people say, you know, is he going to be okay? I mean, you know, the NFL career is kind of uh, short sometimes. Well, it's it really depends how you look at it. I mean, running backs obviously doesn't really age well. I mean, I get that. Um, and I think what is the average running back that lasts is the age of 26 or 27. I think that was a stat like that. But it's not like yeah. Joe Mixon. It's not like Joe Mixon was dealing with any kind of durability issues to start. So he's been healthy. He's been fine, at least from that perspective. He can play a long time. It's just not. He's not being. We just haven't seen him be utilized more, or at least, or at least have not lived, has not really emerged as his rookie or his. The first couple of seasons with the Bengals, we just have not seen a lot of them. Uh, it could be, it could be an offensive line because the offensive line hasn't really been all that great either, even with all the offseason moves. But Joe Mixon, when he's when you get him in open space, there's no stopping him. So, so I'm, I'm not really sure what the deal with with them um, with the Joe Mixon situation is, but 
But once they get him going, you know, because you always going to need your range that you don't want to make. You don't want Joe Burrow to throw the ball 42 times like he did before. But if you get Joe Mixon going, then there's no – the Bengals are back where they needed to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a look here at uh, Mixon's stats. I was curious to see what was happening with him there. Yeah, it's like Joe Mixon's been – Okay, it's just we just have not seen any. But he hasn't he hasn't had a hundred yard game yet. No, that's just yeah. He ended up uh, seventeen for fifty eight in a touchdown. Not terrible, but again, that's not that's not all pro performance. Like you know, if you have an all pro running back, you sit there and say, man, you know, can we expect more? And you know, it was okay for the Bengals because um, Joe Burrow throws for 481 yards, so that kind of um, you know takes care of some uh, issues the running game. But like you said, you know, seven games he has not a hundred yard game, and, and that's a little troubling. And plus, and plus that touchdown that was his second touchdown this season. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I don't know. And what what is his contract looking right now? Is he is he going to be a, is he going to be a free agent after this I season? I'm not sure about that. Because you mentioned he is 26. So I don't know if he's at the end of his rookie deal of the Ray Bassett. I, I don't even remember if he even got on it. That's something that I have to look back on that as well. Well, um, it's, it's crazy. The NFL, you know, it changes over the years. Uh, different things become important. But, man – I tell you, Pierre, I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't want to be Joe Mixon now for a couple of reasons. Most notably, you know, if he's approaching free agency anytime soon, man, you know, you don't get that much money anymore in the NFL as a running back. You know, if you're great or if you're struggling, you know. And you know, with Joe Mixon having a subpar here, what does his, you know, next time he goes for a new contract, what's the market like for that? You know. I mean, even for running backs that have done really well, the, the market's not there. You know, is he going to get a real low contract if he's not producing as a late? Okay, so wow, he, I'm. It's been a, it's been six years, so he's in his six years right now. But um, he did sign a four year contract. He's so he won't be till free agent until 2025. So. Well, here's yeah. another thing, too. I don't know what his cap hit is, but, you know, it could be a cap casualty if, if they don't feel he's playing up to his capability. The cap hit is um, $13 million. All right, maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at Spo track right um, Spo track right now. So, Well, maybe yeah. that $13 million may not make him a good cap casualty then. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's, not like it's, it's, it's not like it's a complete cap hit. It's just... You want to see more of him, you know. You want to see that explosive Joe Mixon that you were hoping, and we have not seen it yet. It could probably still, it's still early. You, we got, we it's still a long season. It could probably emerge, but we just have not seen it yet. All right, hey, well, let's talk. To, this is a, a big deal, maybe not to as many of our listeners, but to you and me. I am a uh, Steelers fan. You're a fan of the Miami Dolphins, and our teams played each other. Holy cow. Uh, Steelers Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. Uh, all these games are strange to me, Peter. I watched the first quarter and I said, Holy cow, it's going to be like Buffalo. You know, Miami's going to whip up on Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh hung around. And, you know, Kane Pickett had a couple chances to. Um, Lead him to a potential gambling drive. He threw two picks. Um, Sewer's defense dropped a bunch of uh, potential easy interceptions. And it's not an excuse, man. The Steelers didn't, you know, play well. I mean, you know, they didn't take uh, care of the uh, things they needed to do to win the game. Uh, what was your thought? I, you know, Tua came back. I thought Tua looked okay. Um, I, I liked your tweet. I kind of questioning him. Um, him trying to run a couple times like he did, but what was your thought overall about how Miami played? I was you see me holding the four, right? The four number four. They oh, dropped uh, four interceptions. 
yeah. missed opportunities. That's that is what I gotta say. Just on the Steelers side, you had all four interceptions dropped. That's that's something that you wouldn't want. Um, as far as the game itself, um, just from a Dolphins perspective, me being a Dolphins fan, whatever. Um, Tua looked good in the first drive when they when they had that touchdown when they had that um touchdown drive. But after that, that was probably one of his worst games because he didn't really play all that well. Um, and granted, this is his return. This is his first game back after missing three games because of the concussion protocol. Um, but didn't really look. He didn't really look great. I think what really held them was it was a defense. It was just a pure defensive ball game from both sides. Um, um, so because nobody scored a touchdown, uh, they haven't scored a touchdown at all. No one scored. It was like three. What? No one scored at all in the in the first half. Oh no, in the second half, it was all. It was pretty much a complete defensive juggernaut from each side. Um. They Steelers had their opportunities. They kind of blew their way, you know. Um, and as far as with the Steelers, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett has it in him. I mean, there was a lot of times where it looks like Kenny Pickett could really. I was literally on the edge of my seat, was like, "Oh my God, Kenny Pickett is really going to win this. Kenny Pickett is going to beat them. Kenny Pickett is going to get have the game winner." But then he threw those threw through those two interceptions, and that really was sealed the deal. To to the Dolphins' third string corner, like fourth string corner, because yeah. because Miami Heat's hurting right now. They just, they yeah. literally lost. They literally just lost like um, they lost their starting safety, um, Brandon Jones for the season with twenty CL, and they're literally down to their third fourth option at the cornerbacks position because Byron Jones. They lost four five corners this season. So it's just been it's just been a struggle as far as um health wise for the Dolphins. But I think one thing for sure is that Tua Tagovailoa, he's going to even if at his worst, he still found a way to get you the victory. And um for the Steelers, they got to figure it. I don't know how they where they go from here. They just got to continue to figure out as far as. Continue to develop Kenny Pickett because he wasn't really terrible, but your wide receivers has been inconsistent all this time. With um, Deontay Johnson was a non-factor thanks to my guy Xavier Howard. Um, Claypool he has he had a drop and he hasn't really played all that well either. Um, George Pickens, I like George Pickens. Um, I think he's probably your best option, and. It was can't and you can't get Najee Harris going. I mean, he played okay, but nothing really is specific. Um, and trying to get him going, so I don't know what what the deal. With, I think you probably have more of an explanation with the Pittsburgh Steelers than I do. But just from that game in particular, they had their opportunities and they had and they just couldn't get it done. Well, a couple takeaways that I saw before I fell asleep <laughs> and woke up. They win. <laughs> what happened? Um, I thought Miami was a much faster football team, and speed doesn't mean everything, but it seemed like Miami was just buzzing on the field, and not just with Tyreek Hill or Waddle, but just everybody was. Uh, Raheem Mostert, they couldn't stop him. Well, yeah, make it yeah. Back and forth, though, but yeah, well, Raheem yeah. Mostert played well too. And I fell asleep for the second half, so I, I don't have the answer to this. I was shocked. You didn't miss at- much. You didn't well, miss I, much in the second half. I was shocked that Miami didn't sc- score more. I thought Pittsburgh had a decent defensive play going into the second half, but I just thought Miami was faster. I mean, I, I just thought, okay, you know, you're not going to be able to cover Tyreek Hill. I mean, I, I was shocked they held him scores in the second half. There, there were some questionable play calls on Mike McDaniel's end as well that didn't really sit right with me. Like, right. the they couldn't manage the clock better either, so that. That's what you see and what you get. And, yeah, the Steelers' defense did play well. Play, they played well than I expected. Um, so it was just a little bit of all of that. And, again, Tua, he played okay, but 
you gotta have when you gotta have those interceptions if you're the Steelers right now. You yeah. Just, yeah. You just can't drop. You can't. There's one thing about dropping one or two. You drop four. That could easily change the game for you guys and give you an opportunity to get that lead, which you haven't had all night. Well, they were saying, too, um, I think wherever the last drop happened, they were saying if they would have caught that, even if the offense was sputtered for Pittsburgh after the interception, if you kick the field goal, now you're down by three, and then pick it on the last drive, only has to worry about getting the field goal to get him to overtime. Where you know, uh, since they didn't do it, he had to score a touchdown, and he, he, you know, things didn't go well. Um, I, I agree with you. Two years ago, when I started doing this, uh, these Steelers podcasts, I really thought the Steelers receivers was, was like probably one of the best parts of their team. Um, I, I like the use of Johnson and Claypool. Good lord, those guys are so inconsistent, it's not even funny. Um, you know, Claypool had a decent game last week against Tampa Bay and, you know, did not come anywhere close to getting that. The first interception, it almost felt like he gave up on the ball, you know, because he kind of stopped and the Miami guy, you know, caught the interception in the first quarter, which was rough. Um, I think George Pickens is your top receiver and they're not throwing like it to him. him. Yeah. I really like him a lot. He got six catches and six targets. And I know you can't throw, you know, passes the same guy all night, but it's like, man, why don't you throw it to him more? Because he's a lot more efficient than Deontay Johnson or uh, Chase Claypool. So, it, and they are who they are. I mean, you've got to play Kenny Pickett. you got to see where he's at. Um, some people were comparing and saying, well, he's not doing well compared to Big Ben. Well, when Big Ben came to the Steelers, the Steelers were pretty much a complete team. They just need a quarterback. They had served Big Ben. Everything was okay. Steelers are not a complete team right now. Um, they've got some really good players. I think they're going to be better when TJ Watt comes back. But they they just over, they're not that talented of a team. They're by the time TJ Watt comes back, it'll be too late. Yeah, and there's some question out there too. I, I can't imagine TJ Watt's going to shut down for the year. But some people are sitting there going, okay, what's the point of TJ Watt coming back? You know, I mean, is they're going to be out of it. But I, I think TJ won't play, but it, it's going to be kind of tough. So, all right. Well, hey, um, I actually have to <laughs> – um, uh, uh, do me a favor, Pierre. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the Super Bowl. I got to actually take a quick walk. I'll be right back. Uh, tell me who you think is going to make it to the Super Bowl and how they'll do, and I'll be right back in just a second. Okay. Um, Tommy put me on the spot here. Uh, the way this, the way the season is starting to look, um, it's still up in the air who could win, who could be Super Bowl contenders, but right now it's starting to look to me that the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, especially now that they just made a a huge move, uh, um, trading for Robert Quinn. So I think the Eagles' defense already already has been stellar. So now that you added Robert Quinn to it, I this there definitely is a Super Bowl or bust for them. They're going all out. They've been top-notch, and the Buffalo Bills, they, I think they're a complete team of Josh Allen's having an MVP-type year, so once they get everyone healthy, I think it's probably going to be that, so I think my Super Bowl prediction as of right now, and it could change, um, but it looks to me is Buffalo Bills versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. What it, it, Philadelphia is a weird team. They're not super, super dominating. Like, you know, you look at Yeah, but well, that's what I'm saying. It seems like a team of the parts. Like, they've really put together a team of very solid players that I don't know where the Hall of Famers are necessarily, but they're undefeated. They have looked Who cares? good. They're undefeated. They're winning. Who cares? Well, well, and they got Robert Quinn for fourth round draft pick today. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I mentioned. They they just picked up Robert Quinn. That definitely helps out your defensive front. 
um, which is loaded anyways with Bennett, with um, Cox, with the rookie Jordan Davis, who's like Godzilla inside. So, yeah. So, Hassan Reddick at linebacker, Darius Slay at corner. This is a Super Bowl-ready team, and that's what you want. They, To you, they don't look dominant, but if you pay close attention, this is what you want from the Eagles because they continue to find ways to win differently. And also the helps that Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind too. So God love what you have seen if you're an Eagles fan. Like, hey, we we look like a Super Bowl team right now. Well, and they've got a nice path. I mean, who's in their way in the NFC? I mean, anything could happen. Yeah. Well, the Dallas Cowboys are—they're good too. I mean, they both played well against each other, and they're with Dak Prescott coming back. We'll definitely see. So, but as of right now, oh, well, my pick's definitely Philadelphia over Dallas. And Dr. the Junior Giants, the New York Giants has been slept on, and look what—they're a one-loss team themselves. Though, but it's pretty looking good for the NFC East outside of the Washington Commanders. But as of right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the division. Not the division, but the best team all around because they have the they have everything you want as a Super Bowl contenders, offensively and defensively. Yeah, who would have thought that the NFC East is probably your best uh, division in football at the beginning of the year? <laughs> you, you probably, probably could have uh, probably another name is probably the San Francisco 49ers, and especially after adding Christian McCaffrey. Um, even though they had a tough, a bad loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, I still wouldn't rule out how elite their defense is. You're going against Patrick Mahomes, so what you're bound if Patrick, you're bound to be attacked by a, an elite quarterback. It is what it is, and. But I think the San Francisco 49ers is another team that could likely make a good run. Is that my final four is clearly going to be um, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, and then on the other side, the <clears throat> Niners and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. And, and yeah, I mean, I think Buffalo, Philadelphia is going to be a, is a good uh, pick for the last two. I agree with you. I think San Francisco could challenge. Um, but, yeah, um, Buffalo looks good in Philadelphia. I mean, like I said, it's some of its parts. And I don't mean that offensive at all. I mean, I think they just have solid players up and down that team. Um, even though the names may not be as recognizable as some other teams, um, you know, they've got a ton of solid players. When you have that, you're looking really well. Oh, you, did you say the Eagles are not unrecognizable? That's what you said? No, well, what I'm saying is if you going into the season, like if you sat there and said, hey, you know, who sticks out for Buffalo? You'd say like Stephon Diggs and you'd say, you know, Josh Allen or, you, you know, they may not be as, uh, how do we say this? I, I probably can't name as many Eagles as I would other teams. But as you said, the Eagles are very talented. They're solid up and down the, and their GM has done an amazing job. Uh, I saw a tweet today talking about all the players they picked up for draft picks. I mean, you look at guys like AJ Brown, um, you know, adding Robert Quinn today and everybody else uh, was great. And they still have a ton of draft picks left. So, I mean, the Eagles are well-built now, and, and they're looking good for the future, too. I mean, just a stupendous job of the GM. They've done a really great job in putting that team together. Absolutely, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And um, adding A.J. Brown was definitely a game-changer, you know, from just right. stealing away from Tennessee. Um, Another guy I want to want to point out is um, they got another wide receiver that they drafted from last year, De- um, Devontae Smith from Alabama, who makes a pretty good number two. And right. then you got Dow Goddard at tight end, who they secured last year, one of the high paid tight ends out there. So they have, like I said, they just have everything, all the tools to play in the Super Bowl, if not win it, because. They are a complete team. They are stacked. So, yeah, and that's what you see. And all it takes was 
it pretty much what came down to is Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts going to stick out, or is he going to take this team to the next level? And so far, that's what he's doing. He's playing at an all-pro MVP type level, and that's pretty much the icing of the cake of what the Philadelphia Eagles season has been. Excellent, excellent season for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, yeah, did them well. And, and again, look at the beginning of the year. Steelers, by the way, my condolences to your Steelers. They are playing. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. I, I, that's that probably the perfect time to fall asleep to. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that game's a one. I'm not that old. They were, I'm falling asleep at one, but well, you're we'll better see. off just not watching it at all. They're gonna get destroyed. <laughs> well, maybe I'll turn on uh, Red Zone where I can see like different games instead of just that one game. So, Fair all right, point. well, well, Peter, as always, very good to talk to you. Um, have fun at your the big Maslin Perry game. Yeah, say all the fights. Yeah, you think Maslin McKinley gets ugly. Maslin Perry, definitely not the rival that Maslin McKinley is, but yeah, they get kind of amped up over there. So yeah, yeah, we, yeah the, not too far from each other. The, um, the backyard brawl, you know, there's a lot of stories that went on between those two that I don't want to really disclose on record. But oh, yeah. yeah, it's just something about that um, Maslin Perry team. I mean, Perry's gonna bring it, but. Maslin right now to me looks like they're likely going to win it all, or at least early, they at least make it to the final four. They have early, it all. Early in my career, I worked for the Mass Independent when every paper was owned by a different place. So I mean, you there was definitely competition between Canton and Maslin and Alliance and everything. And Maslin people would get mad if the, the Independent covered Perry games. It was very strange. Maslin was very territorial, so. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, check those games out. Have a good time. Uh, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Um, check out our sponsors, uh, Cash App and YouTube TV. Um, definitely uh, help us out. You know, sign up for those um, uh, services. Um, for Peter, this is Chris. Have a great night, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.